Amen. Let that be our prayer. Amen? I do have a question this morning, and the question is, whose idea was it to preach this sermon series and, and do this study? Because um, you know the Holy Spirit is faithful to convict us, isn't he? And I was on my flight back this week, and the Holy Spirit was pointing out to me instances and places where he was just basically saying, you need to love more like that there. And I wanted to say, well, let's preach on something else then, right? Because God's Word in this series and this study is not about just knowing something, but it's about being someone. So today we're going to look at uh, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, and eventually get there. Um, but, but I don't know, have you ever received one of those letters in the mail that kind of looks like a certified letter? Um, kind of talks about some grand and great vision of life, or you know the person represents themselves as the answer to everything, and and usually there's some kind of offer of a monetary amount, and there's a like a, a replica check inside this envelope, non-cashable, of course. And it looks at it, you look at it, and the promise is a promise of something that seems too good to be true. And that's because it is too good to be true, right? Well, in our gospel reading this morning, it's as if Jesus is sending us a certified letter that presents to us an offer that seems too good to be true. So we're going to read it uh, like a letter, if you will, all right? So this is from the Gospel of Matthew, but let's read it this way. Dear friends, all things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Stop there. Now, if that was it, if that was all we got in the letter, okay, it would feel like one of those suspicious and sham offers you receive in the mail where someone builds themselves up as the latest and the greatest, and, and then, you know, they give you the offer. Well, you see, for us, the offer then comes. But it comes from the one who said, all things have been committed to me. The one prepared to reveal everything we need to know in life. It comes from the one who is entrusted not just with some things, but with all things, and from the one with the power to deliver on the offer not just some sham offer we get in the mail. The letter now continues, and here's the offer. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And we established two weeks ago in this agenda-paced world, 
that we really do need to make space for God and others. We need to see one another. But we also ask, how do we do that? Well, in this offer from Jesus, we see something very extraordinary. And that is that God himself makes space for us. Jesus is making space for us in his life to teach us and to restore us and to refresh us. He is making room for us to discover the grace and the mercy and the love of God. Jesus is being hospitable to us. And the word hospitable literally means to receive a stranger. And so Jesus is welcoming us strangers to himself. He says, come to me. Come to me. What a great offer we receive from Jesus. Imagining this as a letter from him. But then there's another letter that is also being sent. It is sent every time, every Sunday, we walk out of this sanctuary. It is sent as you're driving down Route 3 to work. It will be sent next Sunday wherever you are watching the Super Bowl. It is sent to Market Basket on Shopping Day. It is sent to Algebra 3 and Industrial Arts 1 classes this week in school. It is sent through Instagram messages and Facebook posts and Twitter tweets. And this is the letter. Your very lives are a letter that anyone can read by just looking at you. Christ himself wrote it. Not with ink, but with God's living spirit. Not chiseled into stone, but carved into human lives. Your life, my life, is a letter written by God, sending a message. Now, we want to really take seriously. We want to understand how to take seriously those words from Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 that we've been tracking along, right? Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us, right? So we want to, as the message translates it, we want to watch what God does and then do it. As Matthew's gospel to us this morning suggests, Jesus is the one on earth who had all of God the Father's attributes, attitudes, passions. He had all of his practices committed to him. All things have been committed to me by my Father, he said. So it stands to reason that we watch Jesus and we seek to follow the way of Jesus. We will be following God's example to walk in the way of love. And that means... When we hear Jesus say, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, as he makes space for us, that means making space in our lives for others. If we're going to be like Jesus. Not just to get together, but rather make space to be a source of restoration and refreshment and grace and mercy and holiness and love to the other. And so I ask 
myself, could this maybe be the most challenging of all the things we're talking about in this series of loving like that? Because this is an amazing offer. Jesus invites all who are weary. It sounds to me like he's inviting the whole world, right? But, but see who took Jesus up on his offer. Those who thought it was safe to approach him with their brokenness and sin. Those Jesus made space for. And this is just a short list. But here are some of them. He made space for the outcasts, like the tax collectors we see in Luke 19. He made space for enemies. He went to Simon's house, who was, who was actually trying to trap him and make fun of him and, and make him an example of something unrighteous. So he goes to Simon the Pharisee's house. He, he welcomed undesirables, like the prostitute in Luke chapter 7, at Simon's house. He made room for people of different cultures, like the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4. He made room for people with different religions and nationalities, such as the pagan Canaanite woman who desired healing. He made room even for the least, the children. Because in that culture, they brought nothing to the economy. They brought nothing to the table. They were the least. The question I then raise is, am I that approachable? Am I this hospitable? Who did Jesus welcome? He welcomed sinners, saints, and pagans. That's who Jesus welcomed. <laughs> the message paraphrase offers us Luke 15:1 this way. By this time, a lot of men and women of doubtful reputation were hanging around Jesus, listening intently. Uh, there was a day, I must confess, that I would probably have been said to be someone of doubt reputation hanging around Jesus. I'm sure someone said, what is he doing around Jesus? The voice translation puts it this way, Jesus became increasingly popular among notorious sinners, tax collectors, and other social outcasts. And so as the religious people saw this rabbi with great compassion, welcoming all these people, did the religious people jump up and down and praise God and thank God for this rabbi? Well, Luke 15, 2 says, they muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. They muttered. But I wonder, would notorious sinners and men and women of doubtful reputation and social outcasts, would they sense God's welcome from me? And if they do, here's a crucial question, if they do, how would they be changed as a result? Because let's be clear. Let's not turn the welcome of Jesus into an excuse or a license for ignoring sin. Jesus was not interested in enjoying a party with friends as they engaged in sinful behavior. Now, the people he welcomed caused others to call him a drunk and a glutton, but that does not mean that he was that or wanted those people he was with to be that. In fact, Jesus transformed those who came to his life. Would this be true of my life if I'm going to love like that? Jesus welcomed anyone 
anyone in the hopes that they would be loved into experiencing his transforming grace. The woman was on the floor. They had, they had tried to use her as a pawn in the scheme to trap Jesus. A prostitute they threw before him. Some commentators say she was probably half-clothed because that's what they would do to shame her. And you know the story when they dropped all the rocks and he who has no sin cast a first stone, right? But you remember what he said to the woman? Woman, your sins are forgiven. I see no one's accusing you. His next words were, go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. So what was it in Jesus that caused people to think that this itinerant rabbi was safe? Safe enough to even bring their sins and find forgiveness and transformation. What did Jesus do that made him approachable? You see, that's what we love about Jesus. He's approachable. He makes God approachable. Come to me, verse 28, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me. How do I love like that? How do I make space for the broken and the poor and the outcast and the marginalized and the pagan and the sinful? How do I make space for the person of another race or citizenship status or, or a different view on politics or sexuality or God? How do I begin making space to love like this? Well, I think the first piece for us is this. You need to remem remember the mud that you came through and came from. One of the best quotes in the book, Love Like That, is this. A snob is a person who believes there's a correlation between social status and human worth. Snobs basically see certain people as inherently inferior to themselves based on beliefs, values, intellect, talent, wealth, education, beauty, ethnicity, religion, or just about anything else. Right? So, we all, every one of us, and just being snobbish doesn't mean that you have to have wealth or you have to have a certain status in life. Anyone can be a snob. We all need to check our snob level. Do I think anyone is less than I am for any reason? You see, pride is sneaky. Pride can make us believe all kinds of things, even religious things. Pride is sneaky. It is the thing that blinds us to truly seeing people and truly seeing ourselves. And it is the thing that makes us the least approachable because we are less open to making space for others, especially those who are not like us. But I think there is a psalm that is a corrective to this type of thinking. It's a great psalm. It's Psalm 40. The voice translation says it this way. He reached down, God reached down, and drew me from the deep dark hole where I was stranded, mired in the muck and the clay. 
I just need to tell you that old hymn, He Brought Me Out of the Miry Clay. Boy, let me tell you what, I could sign my name to that because that's what he did for me. I was stranded, mired in the muck and the glow, but he reached down and he drew me out. With a gentle hand, he pulled me out to set me down safely on a warm rock and he held me until I was steady enough to continue the journey again. Now remember, we are to walk in the way of love because we have been loved into this way. And the truth is, for every one of us, we've all been drawn from the mud. We are all outcasts. And the overwhelming majority of this congregation are truly outcasts in the terms of Jesus' cultural time because we're all Gentiles. Without Jesus, we are all on the outside looking in. But then he comes and he changes us. But that's also our challenge. Because our social networks change. Our lifestyle choices change. We become different persons. We, be, we are rescued from the mud. And that's why Jesus welcomes us. He welcomes us to himself to rescue us and to change us. But we must guard that we do not begin to see ourselves as better than others because of that. Remember the mud you came out of. Or for some of you who you cannot remember a time when church wasn't part of your vocabulary. Remember the mud you were spared from. Remember. It is the lesson that Jesus was trying to impress on Simon the Pharisee when Simon invited him to his house when they, when they brought in this prostitute as a guest at the dinner at the Pharisees to try to shame Jesus, trap Jesus. And Jesus says this, Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. The degree we love is tied to the, the awareness we have of the mud we've been delivered from or spared from. And that should cause us to love people, whether they are in the mud or not, because we see the mud we came from. Helmut Tillich, the theologian, said Jesus was able to love because he loved right through the mud. So remember the mud that you came from. But then also, take Jesus up on his offer. If you and I want to build a hospitable spirit, if you and I want to be lives that, that welcome people into our life, we must take Jesus up on his offer to come to him. We can only love like that out of being loved like this from Jesus. It's really important. Here, once again, the offer from Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, he says. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What an offer. What great words. If you just took those three verses of Scripture and sat with them and just listened to the offer from God to come to Jesus and truly find rest. That's not like just sitting down taking a break. That's talking about the wellness of my soul. That's talking about walking through weeks like a couple of us have walked through this week that have been scary and hard. Or maybe we wondered how that was going to work out. Where we had questions and challenges. And in the midst of that, there's a rest, a wholeness, a welcome, a peace that can only come from Jesus. So he says, come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You need to take Jesus up on that offer. You see, the idea of this coming, the word come there, it's the idea of coming to Jesus in the present moment, whenever that present moment is. That's what it literally means. Come in the present moment, whenever that present moment is. So it means we come to him and we keep coming to him. We come to him and we keep coming to him. We come to him with our mud. We come to him with our mess. We come to him with our struggles. We come to him with our doubts. We bring him our own failures and our own sins. And as we do that, we are welcomed by him. We even come to him with the incredible burden of pride and self-righteousness. And actually, this wonderful invitation that we see when you read the whole context of this portion of the Bible, it's sandwiched in between this section where Jesus is addressing the issue of self-righteousness with the religious leaders. And really, one of the things he's saying is, come and be relieved of this burden to always be right, or this burden of self-righteousness, or this burden of pride. Come and be relieved of that. We can even bring that struggle to Jesus. And when we do that, something happens. Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, for a rabbi in Jesus' day, his set of teachings were called his yoke. And so the disciple would take on the yoke of the rabbi, the teachings, the truth the rabbi was trying to communicate. So what happens is we take on the teachings of Jesus and something happens in our lives. A message paraphrase offers us these words of this passage. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. 
Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. So we learn from him. Come to me and learn from me, he says. We learn about the way of Jesus as we come to him. And something happens. Our capacity for making space for the other grows. And we learn something about the hospitable spirit of Jesus that is worth imitating. Allowing us to actually share God's hope wherever we find ourselves. And maybe, just maybe, when we do that, people will take us up on our offer for them to come to Jesus and find him as their savior. So let us love like that. Thanks be to God. I'm going to ask our worship team if they'll come as we uh, close our service together. But I invite you to stand with me and uh, let us pray. Lord, you've uh, offered us through your word this amazing invitation to come to you. But you also offer to us in that invitation an amazing example of how we can walk in the way of love. And so God, we would pray that as we go from this place, we are letters that will be written to communicate to all that are around us. Our prayer is, our prayer is, that our lives will be places, safe places, where the broken, the outcast, the hurting, the sinful, the one who's not like me, the one who disagrees with me, the one who's opposite me, the one who despises me, the one who even seeks to do me harm, would find a welcome in my life that would turn them toward you. And if that happens, God, if I could love like that by the power of your Spirit, we just thank you that we get to be like you. In Jesus' name, amen. And so, my friends, let us go. And may our lives be lives where people will be welcomed into the love of Jesus. And may their lives be changed because our lives have been changed by his love. We pray this in the name of Jesus. God bless you. You're dismissed. Greet one another in his name. Praise God that today is going to be 40 degrees. <laughs>